We talk about changing the church. We talk about changing the world. And we think of these big grand schemes and campaigns and like, you know, social media accounts and things like this. Nothing changes the world, though, better than genuine friendship. Yeah. And I think that's what God's calling us to in this time in history. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. Here in the new year of 2024, we are blessed that you have decided to join us. We are your hosts, Sam Guzman, John Heinen, and Devin Shad. We are grateful uh, to be here in the new year, to be together, and to continue bringing this content to you. So please keep us in our prayers. You are in our prayers. Today, we get to talk about something that is deep um, in the hearts of men, whether they uh, realize it or actualize it in their own lives, and that is of friendship, right? And so we get to talk about friendship and its essence to our spiritual growth and our um, and our lives as men. We also get to talk about how to be a good friend or how to identify good friends. And since you're listening and kind of what I was just saying, hopefully you'll hear a couple things that can help you improve your friendship for others. We also get to talk to a listener today who is asking a question about giving his first fruits as a husband and as a father and what that looks like. And finally, if you like this episode, we go into a more extensive version, more extended version of this episode in Catholic Gentleman Plus. It's a great way to support the Catholic Gentleman. You head over to catholicgentlemanplus.com. We're coming out with new monthly sessions. This month, we've got a session on outward appearance and how your outward appearance affects the lives of those around you, affects your relationship with God, and affects your future. And so uh, Sam and I both go into that, um, and we enjoy that. So head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus. So like I mentioned, Happy New Year's, Sam, Devin. Happy New Welcome Year. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> and uh, what are your thoughts on resolutions, Sam? Resolutions, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think in general, starting resolutions in the middle of the dead of winter um, isn't always the best idea. Like maybe we should wait till spring or something when hope is in the air and uh, you know things are blooming. And but uh, but no, I, I think resolutions are are a good thing. I just um, have never had much success with them myself. So. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, Devin. Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I just really want to have a better relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. So I hope to turn up you know the dial a little bit on a couple of things such as. Uh, adoration and definitely uh, writing and morning prayer time. I mean, that's been going good this last year, but I would really like to ramp it up a little bit, but it's up to the Lord. You know, I can will my, you know what, like I'm with Sam, like I've year after year, I have these things that <clears throat> I identify and I'm like, you know, three weeks in and man, I'm already falling. So, you know, the, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So yeah, amen. I learned recently that I, I think there's a like a public movement uh, going to give up your resolution on January 17th or something like that. It's like give up your resolution <laughs> day or something, and uh, and you go celebrate uh, the fact that you failed. Um, yeah. and, uh, and so yeah, we we <laughs> we hopefully go longer than that. And yeah, actually, I think that's just it. I think resolutions are great. There's something that you need to be looking at almost daily, right, and coming back to. And uh, because we are weak and without Christ, we can do nothing. And Devin, just to echo what you were saying, really want to learn to live in the presence of God throughout the day, 
not just in my morning prayer times or at night or in the family rosary, but something that is really affecting all that I'm doing. So mm. hopefully, hopefully that will be um, a new leaf and a new way forward this year. So anyways, well, uh, let's start and talk about friendship and talk about um, what did St. Maximilian Colby mean when he said, God sends us friends to be our firm support in the whirlpool of struggle. In the company of friends, we will find strength to attain our sublime ideal, which is such a great thing. But we turn from St. Maximilian Colby, and I also want to bring up scripture here. Um, Holy Writ in the book of Sirach says, a faithful friend is a sturdy shelter. He that has found one has found a treasure. There is nothing so precious as a faithful friend, and no scales can measure his excellence. A faithful friend is an elixir of life, and those who fear the Lord will find him. Those are strong promises. Those are heavy um, uh, words that we can all reflect on. And um, But I think we find ourselves today where a deep, true friendship is becoming more and more rare. You know, we hear things. I remember the first time I was reflecting on it, listening to Brett McKay in one of his Art of Manliness um, or in his book where he just talked about that back in the agrarian lifestyle, <laughs> you know, friendships were were pivotal. They were they helped men survive. And those friendships had both an intellectual, a physical, and an emotional depth to them. Aristotle, I know, uh, claimed uh, friendship as a virtue, even higher than marriage. Now, again, Aristotle was missing some points here, but his um, his comment that it is such a, a platonic relationship with a friend is is a virtue or is of such a high ideal is something that uh, there's there's a, a thread, if not a, a very large string of truth, you know, to that and something that can be so helpful for us in our lives. So I thought I'd like to uh, talk to you first, Evan, and hear from you first of, of just generally your thoughts of the importance of friendship. Sure. I think that, well, personally, I would not be who I am today or where I am today without the friends that I've had. And, you know, just having time to reflect a little bit um, on this topic for this episode, I realized just how blessed I've been throughout my life. Now, I want to make a caveat here. Before I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ at the age of 24, I had friendships, but they were like, I I think Aristotle talks about there's three levels of friendship or three states of friendship. He says there's pleasure, friends of pleasure, there's friends of utility, and there's friends of virtue. Mm. And I had those friends of pleasure, you know, the sports guys, the party guys, the pick up the chick guys, the, you know, the guys that didn't want to be alone at the bar while they're looking for women, you yeah. know. And I've had the utility friends, you know, when I was in art school, we had a group of guys that would hang out and we would work on our projects together and kind of we were in, they were, everybody else was out and we were going to be successful. And, you know, so I've had friendships of pleasure. I've had friendships of utility, but it was after I gave my life to Jesus Christ, that's when I discovered friends of virtue and those friendships are the ones that endured. Those friendships are the ones that actually changed my life. And as St. Thomas Aquinas says, and we can get into this in a minute, you know, as far as the attributes of a true friendship, but the key was, was that sublime ideal that Maximilian Colby talks about, that we were, we were all going for something greater than ourselves. And that was the common ground, which is essential for a true relationship is you have to have that common ground. The common ground was Christ or is Christ. The common ground is God. And because of that being the sublime ideal, it made all things work together for good in these relationships. Now it's not, it's 
friendship is like the stock market. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're going to get a return based on your long-term investment. Mm. You've got to ride out the highs, the lows. It's not going to be consistent. And in fact, friendship is one of the most difficult things you will ever do because just by the nature of friendship, there are things that you have common ground on. And there are things that even in that common ground, you're going to disagree with. But the key is, is to find that person, desire the good of that other person, to love that person even amidst that and grow with them toward that sublime ideal you're talking about. So anyway, I've talked a lot. No, I really, I really appreciate that. I love breaking it up into those three because when I was reflecting and I didn't have quite that depth of thought that you just presented. So thank you. Because I guess I was, um, I was experiencing a little bit of grief for the lack of those, that virtuous friendship early in my life. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that you're exactly right that those friendships of pleasure and the friendships of utility, I had a lot of them. And for Mm -hmm. the most part, all of them have gone. And then I look at other um, uh, friends of mine that still have those friends of virtue from childhood, and you just see that relationship. And it's hard not to be jealous to a degree that they have that. And um, and and what a great way of putting a frame around uh, that which I was, um, you know, kind of reflecting on in, in preparation for this as well. So Sam, what are your thoughts about that importance of friendship? Yeah, I, I think everything Devin's saying uh, could be summarized very simply in like thing that again, friendships are a means of grace that can really help us grow in virtue, especially though learning to love. We've done a lot of episodes lately on the marital relationship, but there are other kinds of love, you know, and scripture is very, very big about talking about agape love especially in the epistles of saint paul where he's always talking about love one another you know saint saint john too in his epistles uh talks about over and over again love one another love one another little children love one another you know it's like and 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 this is this is the this is the heart of the gospel i mean obviously there's many truths that um are part of our faith and they're essential parts of our faith but when it really comes down to it Love is the essence, you know, love of God and love of neighbor. But the thing is, this is often difficult. You know, friendships can hone us and sharpen us and make us stronger and build us up. Mm. But they also have the potential to wound us. And Mm. then it's that potential that keeps a lot of people from leaning into friendships Mm. and opening their heart. But if you do, it can be an incredible school of learning to love your brothers in Christ and learning to receive that love in return. Um, and, and so learning to be more Christ-like. Um, and, and so it's not just a marital relationship that can sanctify us. These, yeah, these agape friendships that are deep and heart-centered, like this is, Something modern men really struggle with. We struggle to be vulnerable. We struggle to be even in the right sense, like intimate with other men, sharing our deepest thoughts and feelings. We're just so closed off. It just feels so unsafe. Mm. And of course, like there's there's this big fear now of like, well, I don't want to be, you know, perceived as like, you know, you know, same-sex attracted or something like that. Yeah. Like, and just this fear just kind of cramps our ability 
to open our hearts to other men. But when you do, like if you can do that and if you can experience that, in a, like it can be a really powerful thing. And we see this in scripture with characters like David and Jonathan. Yeah. You know, these these two heart level friends, they were totally men. I mean, they were totally warriors and battle hardened and like, you know, had been through so much together. And yet they were deep, deep friends, heart level friends. Um, and that's an incredibly beautiful thing. And we see even with like um, the Apostle John again in our Lord, like deep friendship there. You know, of course, Christ loved all the apostles, but I think there was a deeper connection with with the Apostle John. And male friendship can be something that can transform your life, as, as Devin and John have both been saying. And so I would just say, like, if you are feeling that guardedness, if you're feeling that um, your heart is closed off and I would encourage you to open your heart and just see where that might go. Um, because God can really use those friendships to transform you, um, but also allow you to bless others. Um, it's a giving and receiving that's part of friendship. Um, and you can really change someone else's life <laughs> as well. Yeah, so great, Sam. I really appreciate you saying that. And actually, you touched on two things that I was hoping we would go into, and that's kind of where we find ourselves as men today, right? We need to be aware of the reality of both external and internal. And you actually touched on, I heard one external and I heard one internal. So um, I'm really appreciative of that because externally, right, we have uh, the Industrial Revolution. We have... Um, this sort of Darwinian notion of, of a dog-eat-dog world, right? And it's kind of hard to be close friends, you know, if they're going to be your snack later. And, um, and so we have, to, <laughs> we, have to, we have to be aware that that's been kind of pushed onto us over the last 150 years, 200 um, years. And, um, and so these, these bonds um, are, are fewer and farther between and harder to come by. But at the same time, you hit it. And I do think that this is something that we mm. need to be aware of, is this idea of being labeled as um, homosexual or effeminate or something like that, if we're found being vulnerable with another man, right? They, these um, gender um, ideologies and, and, you know, gender politics that have just been, been, and they were for us too, when we were in school, I remember being in high school and having that concern that if I showed too much, you know, care or, you know, a hug publicly with another guy, then immediately I was going to be labeled. And that's a concern. And I think that that the, the um, LGBTQ, you know, community and stuff has been doing such a, um, I mean, calling a spade a spade, an incredible job of recruiting over the last, you know, uh, few decades that we all experienced that and that started to get ingrained within us. And then internally, though, and these have always been there, I do um, agree very much. You talked about those insecurities, right? That insecurity with being vulnerable um, publicly and what that can look like. But what we don't realize is when we're able to do that with a man who is likewise open to that possibility because we have that common goal of heaven. And actually, um, I'm going to jump down here because I remember reading uh, St. Basil and St. Gregory, right? Yes. They had that close friendship. And and yes. I, I read in the Liturgy of the Hours, our single object and ambition was virtue and a life of hope and the blessings that are to come. We wanted to withdraw from the world before we departed from it 
With this end in view, we ordered our lives and all our actions. We followed the guidance of God's laws and spurred each other on in virtue. And and it goes on and on. He talks more about it because he had such a loving, loving relationship. Um with uh with uh saint um saint basil um saint gregory writing that and and i think that that's exactly what we're trying to talk about here and and actually final thought that i had was just i really am grateful for both of you men um because unintentionally we're always breaking this down i was reading uh blessed john henry newman where he talked about saint john henry newman where he talked about the um the difference between a notional grasp of things and a, a real grasp of things. And I think that this idea that we can hear something like charity is friendship for God, as Thomas Aquinas said, and we're like, you know, oh yeah, that sounds great. We've got a notional understanding of it, but but what does that actually mean in our day-to-day living, in our practical living, in our theology of living, if you will? And that's that real understanding that uh, John Henry Newman was bringing up. And, and so I just want to thank both of you men, because I get so much of that in these shows myself, and hopefully our listeners do as well. Yeah. One of the things, going back to Jonathan and David, so the, all that, first of all, I want to say amen, amen, Excellent, especially the St. Gregory and Basil quote, because that just puts things on the table and says, look, it's it's more than acceptable. It's needed. What is the secular uh, phrase? I, I don't know. You guys might know this, but you were defined by your 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 five best friends or the people you mm-hmm. spend the most five most you know most time with or whatever it is. Yeah. I have no idea what the secularists really believe in this, but however, I do believe this that your friends help to define you and you help to define your friends. And so if you're living amongst secular friends, worldly friends who are living for that pleasure and that utility, that is what will define you. But if you're living amidst friends who are helping you to cultivate virtue and that sublime ideal like Gregory and Basil, then you're gonna become that. You're gonna become the saint, the man that God's called you to be. And this is why I love the Jonathan David account. Here it is, Jonathan is obedient. He is faithful to his insane father, who is a total narcissist, Saul. And they are on this mountain and they are literally overrun by the Gentiles. They're going to die. Jonathan ends up dying trying to defend his father. And when David weeps over Jonathan and the friendship, he says, oh, Jonathan, oh, Jonathan, thy love was greater than that of women. And we, you know, immediately the, the, you know, oh, David was gay and all this stuff. No, David knew that he had a friendship in Jonathan that was life defending and life giving. And he needed that friendship. And Jonathan did save David's life a couple of times from Saul, from Jonathan's father. This is true friendship. And when I read that, that was very liberating for me. And you talk about hugging guys, you know, and, you know, man, I give guys hugs, you know, and I'm like beating on their chest and giving the good old, because we are, we, yes, I know it's a Marxist term. We're comrades. Yes. But we're brothers. We're fighters. We're warriors in this, in this veil of tears. You know, this is a battle. Mm. However, there's something both of you touched on. One of you touched on charity and maybe both of you. And the other one was virtue. And, and this is the key. There are three things, I think this might be St. Thomas Aquinas, I'm not sure, but there are three things that make a person lovable. Therefore, makes him worthy of being your friend. Three things. The first is virtue. So this person that you see, he, he is having a habit 
of uh, an action toward the ultimate good. So he's cultivated this habit of ongoing virtue. He's aspiring toward the good in his life, right? But that virtue demands self-possession. And that means, and this is very interesting, that he loves himself properly. Because here's the deal. Guys who are sinning all over the place, like I used to and everything, they actually hate themselves. They are punishing themselves by sinning against themselves. And therefore, they do not love themselves. Therefore, they cannot give what they do not have. They cannot give love to another. Therefore, the relationship is going to be selfish, quid, quo, pro, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, virtue demands that one has self-possession, that he loves himself. Therefore, he's in the battle to conquer sin. And therefore, if he has self-possession or is aspiring toward that, that means that he is possessed by God. Therefore, that means that he has a relationship with God or is cultivating that relationship with God and allowing God to cultivate it within him. These are the three factors. These are what we should be looking for in our brothers if we want to have a great relationship is someone who is seeking to be virtuous, someone who is self-possessed or aspiring to be self-possessed because none of us fully are self-possessed, but then a person who has a great prayer life or is aspiring for a great prayer life, they want to be possessed, if you will, by God. That That's where the charity and the virtue comes in. And that's where also our dependence uh, upon God comes in because the, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, I cannot be a good friend if I'm not allowing Jesus to be a good friend to me. And if I'm not being a good friend to Jesus, it's all based on that. So that's, that's where I, th- I think it's so good when you think about that virtue, self-possession, God possession. Those are the three attributes that I would like to find in my friends. And I do the friends that I have that I really great friendships. Those three things are all there. Boom. I was thinking about um, kind of three principles um, that I wanted to dialogue about with you men about making a good friend. And there's this common, there's these common, um, you know, shared experiences, right? And I know um, we see Thomas Aquinas said that friendship involves a shared life, right? And the longer that shared life is, the deeper um, that relationship can go. And that's so good. I wanted to talk about uh, generous giving and sacrifice, right? Um, as as one of these uh, three um, ideals or principles that I kind of came up with and how they can be abused as well as how they can be rightly, like how we can find that virtue in the means within this idea of that third form of friendship, a virtue-seeking friendship that we're trying to talk about here. Because you have to know yourself, right? We have to work on ourselves to make sure that we are becoming better friends for others or identifying that in our friends that are coming to us. And I do think that, um, you know, in this idea of generous giving, we must experience the joys and sorrows with our friend. And I was reading a French poet. I don't remember his name, but I do remember uh, what he stated. And he stated that to not experience the sorrows of a friend is an insult to them. And, um, right. and it's so true because we give ourselves emotionally in love for a greater good, you know, in, in that, in that love who is God, who is all love. And, um, and then I think Devin, you were just saying this idea that, um, you can be a little too clingy, right? You can all of a sudden require too much of the sacrifice of a friend. And that's where I see it being abused. And that's why I wanted to talk about this and then get your guys' thoughts on this, on this sort of generous giving of self and the sacrifice of your time and your um, your emotions for a friendship there, is that um, 
yeah, if you're always looking for validation, for you know, comfort or for um, uh, direction, um, you can abuse it. But at the same time, if you're not looking for those things, you're you're going to create your friendship impotent, right? It's not going to have that depth. So we kind of got to find that means there. So I'd love to hear um, what you guys think about you know, kind of the ebbs and flows of of too much or not enough uh, within you know generous giving and sacrifice. Because I know each each situation or each friendship is different and unique, but um, I just love to dialogue about this a little bit more. Yeah, I, I think I think one of the important things uh, about what you're saying is like it is about giving as well. You know, like the clingy friend that you're talking about, the one that's like just just constantly after you for to get to get to get to receive. Like they're not they're they're so self-absorbed maybe completely unconsciously, but they're so concerned with their own needs and getting their own needs met. They're not thinking about you and, and they're not giving as well. They're not seeing your needs as well. And like that can re- lead to a really health, unhealthy uh, imbalance that can lead to a lot of resentment. If you have a friend that's just constantly after you for something, whether it's like one of those practical needs, like help me out, do this, do that. Or if, even if it's emotionally, like, I, I just got to talk to you on the phone for like hours, you know, like about my problems <laughs> yeah, or yeah. let's hang out, let's hang out, let's hang out. And you're like, but they're never, they're never giving back. That's, that's a very unhealthy friendship. And I think in those cases, boundaries are very much in order where it's like, sometimes you might need to just stand up and say, you know, look, I don't have time for this right now, or this isn't helpful to me right now, or whatever the case might be. Like you might have to draw a line with someone like that. And that doesn't mean you're a bad friend. In fact, allowing someone to continue unhealthy behaviors like that is actually uncharitable to them. Mm-hmm. Like, especially if resentment is building, especially if you find yourself getting angrier and angrier, like about the way that they're treating you. That's actually not loving to just keep stuffing that. Like, it's actually more loving to be honest and communicate those frustrations honestly. Um, and they may be completely unaware. They may be completely unaware that they're doing this. But at the same time, like it can be very much a healthy reality check for people who are being clingy like that to uh, be aware of the impact that it has on other people. Um, And likewise, if you are that clingy friend, like wouldn't you want someone to tell you if Mm. you're driving them crazy? (laughs) Um, You know, because if you're completely unaware, right, like it would be really helpful to know that. But second, it would help you start to see beyond your own needs to the needs of other people. And the fact that they are human beings that um, have emotional needs of their own. And if you're ignoring that, like it's, it's a very helpful wake up call to be told, Hey, you know, like you're coming on too strong. Um, so just a few thoughts there is a lot more like we said, I'll let, so they've done research on loneliness and prolonged loneliness is the same level of threat to your nervous system as getting mugged in a dark alley. Like Whoa. it's the same level of fear. <laughs> wow. And, and and just just anxiety. Like it's an awful, awful feeling, prolonged loneliness. Hmm. But on the other side, if you have those friends who stick with you through thick and thin, and you've got you've got your tribe, you've got your group, like there's just a sense of well-being and safety that comes with that. Like I can call on these guys. They're going to be with me. Like, you know what? I'm weird. I'm kind of strange. Like I got weird interests. I'm kind of a nerd, whatever. 
but they like me anyway. Like that's, that's a good feeling, right? Like it's yeah. a good feeling to be accepted for who you are with all your uniqueness, all your flags. You don't have to fake it. You don't have to put on a mask with these people. Mm-hmm. Like you can just be yourself. And you know what? They know who you are. Maybe they, you know, roll their eyes or whatever, but they still like you at the end of the day. And like, and like that creates such a sense of well-being. And honestly, we talk about changing the church. We talk about changing the world. And we think of these big grand schemes and campaigns and like, you know, social media accounts and things like this. Nothing changes the world, though, better than genuine friendship. Yeah. And I think that's what God's calling us to in this time in history is to rediscover friendship love, agape love, where we can be there for our brothers in Christ. And again, through all the mess, through all the misunderstandings, through all the confusion and hurt or whatever, like just learn to love again. Learn to love your brothers <laughs> in Christ. Right. That will change the world. <laughs> so good it. so good yeah thank you sam and devin i appreciate all of those thoughts i think you're you're spot on and something that's so important and pivotal to having good and, and holy and lasting friendships which is exactly what we're talking about um here so i wanted to talk about another principle that i kind of uh came up with and that one is that of of kind of continual and unending gratefulness, right? I think Mm. that that is an important point of our lives as men. And actually, just to take a step back first, um, Sam, you reminded me, uh, iron sharpens iron, right? And if you've ever sharpened a knife or something like that, you know, pieces fall off. It's messy, right? And <laughs> right. and that's just it. We, uh, Sam and I almost thought about calling Catholic Gentleman Plus um, the forge or something like that, you know, because it was men sharpening men, right? And we need that. And it is messy. But relationships are a, a, a primary um, pillar of life, right? Love thy neighbor as thyself, you know? And... Um, and and I think it's just it's so good that we're talking about this in the relationship of friendships and not just um, marriage. And so going to this uh, continual gratefulness, I wanted to talk about that. And I do think that this is something that binds relationships with brothers all the stronger is when you thank them for their help and their support in your life, right? I think somebody who is a generous giver and who who is willing to sacrifice seeks those opportunities to help their friend in need before they have to ask. And they do so without this quid pro quo relationship like Devin, you were talking about where, you know, it's, it's I'm going to do this for you, but I, I need something in return. Um, I would say that even if that need is something of thankfulness, we have to be cautious about that, right? Because you can be the giver in this situation. And, and when we talk about being thankful, I do want to comment on not taking our friendship and the depth of our friendship for granted, because I do think that that does happen, right? You'll become friends with somebody, they'll become more self-absorbed, you might become more self-absorbed, that you don't realize the amount of times that you're reaching out to them and the advice that they're giving you and the support that they're giving you, whether it's financial or time or encouragement, et cetera, that um, Mm. it's important to be a man of gratefulness in as far as it relates in this situation to our friendship with those men in our lives and making sure that they know the gratefulness that we have for them that God has brought us together. So I wanted to start and get your thoughts a little bit about gratefulness uh, within the relationship of friendships. 
Well, I think that what you said is absolutely essential. Uh, you know, be ye thankful, as St. Yeah. Paul says, you know, but especially for our friendships. And I, I think this is interesting. Why aren't we or why don't we express gratitude for our friendships or to our friends, for them just being our friends? Um, I think fundamentally deep down, we, we like them. It's, it's great, but we don't appreciate them as much as we ought to. And this, I may be wrong on this, but I think that there's a little bit of, well, I just kind of put up with this person. Mm. You know, I'm kind of better. Now, I want to I want to make a point here. I think this is very important because there's a danger. I think when we're going out looking for friends or trying <laughs> to get friends, what we do is we look and we find this strata of people or these people who are like, oh, they're that. They're at this step above. And I, if I'm friends with them, then I'm a part of that. And that, that makes me feel better. But if you look at Christ, what does Christ do? The word becomes flesh and dwells among us. He condescends. He chooses the lower strata. He chooses those who are not intellectually gifted, those who are not beautiful, those, as Sam says, are messy. And he becomes real friends with them, fireside chats daily, living with them, loving them. And how much longer must I put up with you? Yet I'll put up with you, you know? I mean, that is Christ. And, and so I think there's a tendency in us where we're like, no, I'm only gonna be friends with those people. And, but I've found in my life, a lot of times it's the people who are like marginalized a little bit, the people who are thought of as being less, I encounter them and I start to like meet with them for coffee, or maybe we hang out and go for a hike or whatever it is, or just maybe we're doing a project together. And I'm like, man, this person has a story to tell. This person has a heart that's burning for more. And Everybody has a story. Everybody has a heart. And if you are not willing to condescend like Christ, because if you think you're better, then you got a problem. Because in doing that, you discover so much more of yourself. And that's where that gratitude comes in. Because you're like, man, that I'm so thankful that I even have this guy as a friend because I'm undeserving of it, really. You know? So I I, I love that, but I think that we've got to lower ourselves, or at least yeah. mentally, intellectually, like Christ. And I think a real, and then from that gratitude, it helps us. And this is this is what's really problematic in our culture right now. Because of social media, because we post and somebody puts a thumbs up or maybe a little comment, we think that we're remembered. Yeah. But we're not. No. So this is why we've got to, We've got to intentionally text our friends. We've got to intentionally call our buddies. We've got to reach out to them because what that says to them, that communicates them, I remembered you. And that person says, somebody thought of me. Somebody remembers me. I'm still important. This is huge because with social media, everybody's vying for importance and validation. And they're not, they think they're getting it, but deep down they know they're not. Anyway, so that gratitude that's, leads to that affirmation of being remembered. So That's right. And Facebook feeds off of that. Instagram feeds off of that. They're called your friends, right? And you might have 4,000, you know, but not a single one of them actually gives you a handwritten note ever or, you know, right. reaches out to you in those situations. So good. Sam? Yeah, yeah. I think in relationships, the best gifts we can get of other people are free. Free in the sense of, what was you saying? You're not expecting anything in return. And even when the word gratitude 
has the same root word as gratia, grace. Grace, it's just a free gift. I give it to you because you're worth it. I don't need anything back from you. I just give you my appreciation. And I appreciate all the times that you've been there for me as a friend. I appreciate all the times that you've listened to me. Um, I appreciate all the times that you've shown care for me. And like just, just to give them that appreciation as a free gift. But also just your time and attention. Like it's it's just it's a gracious thing. I think this is yes. one thing we've really lost in our culture is this sense of just graciousness, just mm. being present with people and not needing anything. Like we were talking about earlier about the the clingy friend, the needy friend, right? Like they're just oh, they're just so consumed with their own needs. But to just genuinely be free with people. I don't need anything from you. I want to spend time with you because I like you, you know, like that just feels so different. Like, you, mm-hmm. you know, just at a subtle level, you can just feel a difference when you're with someone like that, um, as opposed to someone who just feels like they're just like ooh, sucking something out of you. And if you can give that gift of graciousness and appreciation and gratitude and care and compassion and curiosity for people where you can just tell me your story, like Devin's saying, like I'm genuinely here to understand you better. Like, I don't need anything from you. I just want to know you. I just want to hear your story, your journey, your heart. What's important to you? What are your struggles? And like, if you can give that to people, like that's grace right there. That's, that's graciousness. My final principle here Mm. is um, this unconditional readiness to forgive or forgiveness. And I think that this, I'd be remiss if we didn't dialogue about this in our conversation today, because I've seen it break up uh, siblings. They don't talk for a decade and longer. I've seen Mm. it break up uh, relationships between, you know, um, parents and their children and relationship with friends. And that's this unwillingness to forgive, right? And I mean, uh, it'll just, that somebody who is, unforgiving has already condemned himself. And and I just like to comment on that as we see in the Paternoster that, um, you know, if we are not willing to forgive others, then uh, God, who is the author of all good and author of all our lives, does not have to forgive us. And, um, and so I think it's so important to just dialogue briefly on this um, is, is how friendships can be strengthened or ruined um, if forgiveness or unforgiveness is um, a part of it. So I pass yeah, it over. Yeah, I'm so you glad you brought them. this up. Yeah, thank um, you. Uh, this is a, such an important point. And, and I would go so far as to say that forgiveness is the condition of all relationships. You cannot be in a relationship unless you're capable of forgiveness because as we've been saying over and over, relationships are messy. Human beings are complicated, you know, and, and misunderstandings will occur. You know, we all have our inner world of thoughts and feelings and intentions and desires. But nine times out of ten, other people uh, can't perceive that. We're opaque to each other and all we see is actions. And we interpret those actions through our own subjective framework. And that's how misunderstandings occur. The problem is we often make the mistake of assuming the worst about people. Um, Mm. They hate me. They're selfish. They're insensitive. They're a jerk. They don't understand. And we just assume the absolute worst. 
What you find is very frequently, I won't say all the time because sometimes people really can be malicious, but I would say very frequently people do have good intentions. Even if the execution is poor, even if their misunderstandings occur or communication fails or things like that, at the end of the day, we all want to love and be loved in return. And we have very poor ways of executing that sometimes. Um, but fundamentally, that's like a very human desire. And and yes, people can be malicious. They can be hurtful on purpose. But but regardless, like forgiveness is essential. If you can't forgive, God can't forgive you. I just read yesterday in Matthew 18, uh, the parable of, you know, the unforgiving servant, um, yeah. you know, and, and he had been forgiven so much, like this infinite debt almost. And yet he was throttling this person over like, you know, a few pennies, really. And it's like, God can't forgive us if we harbor resentment and bitterness and we're cold and unforgiving to others. And yet we want God to be compassionate and loving and merciful to us. And yet we're hard hearted towards our brothers in Christ. Like that just doesn't work. That just doesn't work. And again, you'll start closing yourself off from people. You'll close your heart. And one by one, these relationships are going to start breaking down. And you're going to find yourself more and more alone. And it's, and you're going to go, what happened? What, what went wrong? You know, oh, well, it's his fault. It's her fault. It's this person and that person. It's all on them. No, like examine your own heart. And if you're harboring unforgiveness, you can't let these little things go. Like it's going to wound your relationships. And it, it, so, yes, absolutely. Forgiveness is absolutely essential for deep friendships, uh, especially over any length of time. Like the more time it goes on, the more hurts there's going to be and the more there's going to be to forgive. And yet if you can do that, like how powerful and, and strong and unbreakable that friendship will be. Yeah, yeah, so true. Expect to be hurt. Expect to be misunderstood. And understand that the friendship perhaps God has placed there so you learn to forgive, so that you learn not to blame, and so that you embrace humility. You know, I think a lot of, like you were saying earlier about the perfect friendship, that's a lie. You know, only the only perfect friend is Jesus Christ, and he has a lot of imperfect friends, you know? And so so if we're like Jesus, we have a lot of imperfect friends, and we're not perfect. That's so the right. point, though, is, is Jesus gives us friendships so that through misunderstandings and through disagreements, we learn the strength and the art of forgiving and patience and humility. We embrace that great virtue of humility, and that is so attractive. And I find that the people who I come across who are the big blamers, they're like, you know, the accuser who stands before the Lord day and night, accusing them before the Lord. The blamers are the ones who have no friends. Yeah. Because they blame everyone else for the problems that they have. And the reason that they have their problems is because, frankly, they can't forgive anyone else because they haven't forgiven themselves. And they can't forgive themselves because deep down, they don't believe that really God can even forgive them. Mm. So we really we really need to embrace and this is yes as men we just have to be vulnerable in this we have to enter into the discomfort of friendship if we're ever going to be real men because look the very beginning of the spiritual journey is humility yeah. i mean it's the foundation and that is forged in friendship and so magnanimity to get to that level man if you don't have friendships or if you're not seeking them out if you're not begging for them from the lord and that's where i would begin ask the lord for friends yeah. Amen. Ask the Lord for friends and then get in there and don't run. 
<laughs> when you're embarrassed, when you're misunderstood, when you do something stupid, and I've done it so much in friendships, I've said the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way. I do it all the time. And thanks be to God for people who are humble and patient with me. But you don't run, you stick it out with these people, and, and eventually God will allow you to move up, to become magnanimous. Yeah, I, Walter Farrell, uh, uh, he's a Dominican. He says that friendship involves a mutual love on common ground and has as its normal love unselfishness. So friendship involves a mutual love on common ground and has as its normal love it's communication, unselfishness. I think that's a beautiful definition of friendship. Yeah, amen. Yeah, and this, and I'll just say in closing, like friendships really can provide something that you would never, ever find on your own. You know, there's been times when I've had deep conversations with friends. Sometimes you just lose all track of time and come to find out it's been, you know, hours well, like your heart just burns within you, you know, like it says, like in, in, in the road to Emmaus, you know, like Jesus is speaking with the apostles or with, with those, those two disciples. And they're just like, did our, not our hearts burn within us, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, I've had that same experience with good friends mm -hmm. and holy conversations. Your heart just is on fire. And I would just encourage everyone to seek that out intentionally. Like if you find yourself right now, in a place where you don't have those friendships and you think, yeah, what does it matter? I'm doing all right on my own, I guess, you know, and like, maybe I'll just struggle on by myself. It's like, no, like seek that out, be intentional about that. And it's in the best way to do that is by being a good friend. Like to have friends, you must show yourself friendly. Like don't just stand there and wait for someone to walk up to you. Introduce yourself, shake a hand, like get to know someone that you never met before. You know, some of our best friends um, that we've known for well over a decade now that we met when we first came into the Catholic Church um, came about just because we saw a, a nice family, you know, at mass one day. So I would really like to get to know those people. So we just walked up to them and was like, hey, where are the Guzmans? You know, and guess what? They're, we've been friends with them for many, many years now. And it all came for just putting ourselves out there and just mm -hmm. saying hi and that turned into dinner. And then now we're friends. And, you know, like that did not happen accidentally. It happened intentionally. And so I would just encourage you, if you reach out, put yourself out there, take a risk and see what God can do. Yeah. Amen. Trust in God and remove that fear um, of, of the unknown and, and, and forge um, mm -hmm. in a forward direction towards, towards building lasting relationships and friendships. I think that's so great. Well, man, thank you both so much for this conversation on friendship. And now it's the perfect time in the um, podcast to talk to a listener. So if you have a question, set a, uh, go ahead and send it over to podcast at catholicgentleman.com. If you're listening on YouTube, go ahead and drop it in the comment sections. Um, we'd love to answer them here on the episode. And so for today's question, we have a gentleman who's asking about first fruits. And as it relates to our lives as husbands and fathers. So let's listen in. What does or should giving God our first fruits look like for married men with children? Thinking about it in terms of time, talent, treasure, etc. I am thinking in terms of being part of a greater parish and community and how leading and providing for a family fits in. 
Yeah, so that's such a great question. And I actually wanted to start by kind of setting the stage here is um, what is this listener referring to when he's talking about first fruits? And some of you might know this, or you might have like a, a notional understanding and inkling. And so hopefully we'll be able to, to bring that in. But I did, I grabbed just a couple of the, the scripture quotes that we see throughout the Bible that talk about first fruits. And the first one is in Leviticus, where it says, and the Lord said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, when you come into the land, which I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And actually, it was so important that Moses said it 13 times in the first five books of the Bible. And so I think that is really important uh, to note, is that this idea of giving of the first fruits was so important. I would also mention that in the Old Testament, it was it was very formulaic, right? They had to do it at a certain time. They had to do it, they had to present it to the priest first. They had to do certain amounts, and it was all very exacting or written out, but for a reason. But it didn't just stop there. And so we look later on in Scripture, and we see in Proverbs, where it says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your produce. So again, still talking about this sort of agrarian lifestyle. And I think that that's what the listener is getting at here is we don't live in that lifestyle anymore, but this still holds to us because when we fast forward to Romans, now we're in the New Testament, we see, for if the first fruit be holy, so is the lump also. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And now this is getting into a deeper meaning and a deeper understanding, one that's going from an actual harvesting of our um, first fruits and the the crop to one that's more spiritual in nature when we're talking about this. And then we also see that Paul spoke of uh, Christ as the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And Jesus um, was God's first fruit, as we know. He was his only son, and, um, and he sacrificed himself for our souls and for our salvation. And so I just wanted to set the stage. Um, and then before oh. I go into my two cents or thoughts of it, I'd like to pivot over to you, Devin, and hear your thoughts. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> go, go for it. Go for okay. it. That's like a well, theology uh, on first uh, fruits. I'm like, yeah, oh, man, I'm, yeah. I'm tracking, you know? I mean, the only thing I would say right off the bat, just based on what you say, is, you know, we have to, I think the push here is to find the balance, right? Yeah. So, so on one extreme, because we know God is greatest, therefore we owe God everything. There is that extreme behavior where we're always at the parish, we're helping out on the grounds, we're on the parish council, we're leading the Bible study and all this. And as one spiritual director said to me, do not become a street lamp for your house to go dark. So you can mm -hmm. be you know, out there doing all this stuff that you think the Lord is asking of you while denying your vocation. On the other hand, you can use your vocation as this excuse as, oh, I don't have enough time for the Lord. You know, I, I just, I, I got these kids, I got this wife, I've got, I've got this job. So therefore that's what I'm doing for God alone. And I'm not going to do anything beyond that. So I think that we've, you know, we've got to try to figure out a way to come to the golden mean, which lies in the middle. And I just, that's where I would turn it over to both of you and say, what do you think? You know, what, what is that golden mean look like? What are these first fruits? How do we offer them? Mm -hmm. Well, I love that. And I like the fact that we're breaking it up between, or the listener did, between 
time, talent, and treasure, right? And I think we can actually reflect on that here as men striving for holiness. And first and foremost, when I think of time, I do think of this balance that you were saying between what it is that we do for others, including what it is we do for our family, right? Because it's so frequent that um, our work takes over and we justify ourselves and say, well, I'm doing it for my family. And there there might be in certain situations a very real necessity, right? You guys are struggling financially and you are in, in desperate need uh, of help and your time to commit to that. I'm not, I'm not um, excluding those. But generally speaking, it's because of what we've talked about in other episodes when our occupation is now, um, you know, not at the service of our vocation, but our vocation is at the service of our occupation, as we've discussed, and that can't be the case. But I also, when I think of time, I want to talk about your daily time. And by that, I do think it's really important to have that rule of life. I think the first fruits of your day are waking up, as Sam and I talk about, um, and Devin as well, before your family wakes up in the morning. So what can you do with that time? You can give it to God. St. Francis of Sales talks about this as well, is that waking up and the first fruits of your day or the first fruits of your time, and as fathers and husbands or as a husband and father, um, we need to give that time over to God. And it's going to order the rest of our day. And I think that that in and of itself is a beautiful way to start our day. So Sam, love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, uh, for me, this goes back to the root of the word sacrifice, sacrificium, you know, it's just like to make holy, to set apart for God. All things come from God. Like, you know, 100% of everything you have, comes from God. And you say, well, no, I've worked hard for it. Yeah, but where did your body come from? Your health, your life, like, you know, the the food that you enjoy, like literally everything that we have comes from God in one way or another, your existence, your being most fundamentally. And so what we do is when we set aside something, whether it's time, talent, treasure, whatever, we're saying we're giving back in order to acknowledge the source of all things. Um, all things are flowing to us from God's hand. And so we're just putting a little bit back in order to acknowledge that, in order to return thanks, to return um, the goods that God has given us, and in order to sanctify all things, to make all things holy. That's the, the point of sacrifice. And so what I would say is, like, remember, too, uh, how... Uh, a lot of times these things are actually for us as well. So we think of the Sabbath, right? Like there's so many rules that grew up around the Sabbath in ancient Jewish times. And it was a good thing. Like you, the Sabbath was a, a critical day and it was part of God's commandments to remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And so we see here, like there's the same principle, right? We set aside time in order to remember the source, to remember God one day a week. And, and this is critical. Like it was built into the Jewish laws, but they just, they kept piling on more and more and more rules around it until they were regulating how many steps you could take and things like this on the Sabbath day. And like it had gotten so far away from it. And what Jesus had to remind the Jewish people was like, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. This is not something that is meant to enslave you. 
this was something that was for you to remember, to remind you what's really important and where you came from and where you're going um, from God and back to God. Um, and that rest that you're supposed to enjoy on the Sabbath is not meant to be burdensome. It's meant to be joyful. Um, and so what I would say is like in all of your offering of first fruits, keep that principle in mind, you know, that the tithing is, is not a burden. It's not a curse. In fact, the church doesn't even regulate, like it says that we should give and we should tithe, but it doesn't say like, you know, 10%, 15%, 3%. It doesn't say, but the point is we need to get back. We need to return and and but just remember it's it's a joyful thing. It's a reminder to us that all of our wealth and all of our goods in this life come from the hand of God. Um and so just keep that in mind with all of the works that you do. Uh you're not doing anything like God is is giving to you in these these acts as well, as as well as you giving back to God. Um and so just just that keeps keeping that perspective keeps it from becoming enslavement, keeps it from becoming a burden or something, even that can get disproportionate or um extreme, as John and Devin are saying. Like so just remember, like the point is to remind us it's remembrance, it's remembrance of God that can help sanctify things and sanctify our life and bring provided like a center, like a spoke, uh, you know, like a spokes coming off of a wheel, but there's like a hub, right? And like that hub, that center is sacrifice. It's God. And like these little acts that we do remind us of what provides that stability to our life and that center of our life. Yeah, well stated. Thank you. Devin, I think additional our, thoughts. Yeah. I mean, yeah, practically speaking, I think our state of life determines so much. So if we're single, um, then we have more time and perhaps even more money, you know, God willing to be able to give back. If we're married and we have children, it's it's going to be a lot different. So if we are married, we have children, I think that it's important to realize your family is your ministry. Your marriage is your ministry. That's where you are ministering. And you don't have to go out and find another 10% of service somewhere. You know what I mean? That is now, but what that means though is incumbent upon you then is to take up that role to be the minister of your domestic church, which means that you lead in prayer at dinner, that you lead in prayer at night, that you take your children to mass as often as possible, and that you cultivate that spirituality in your home. And as a family, perhaps, then you can branch out to the poor or to the soup kitchen, or you have a program to somehow raise money for whoever, whatever, or maybe your, your family's going to be involved in some kind of, you know, program at the parish. But the point though is, is it's got to be born out of the vocation and, and, and it's rather than, you know, going out and finding new things to do, you've already got it, you know, yeah. so I think that for me, that was a big, uh, that, that relieved a lot of burden and pressure from me. Now, on the other hand, though, a lot of times I'm burning to do things for the Lord. I desire to do things for the Lord. And my family can act as a, as a holy restraint on that. So I don't become, you know, do things that the Lord isn't even asking kind of thing. You know, the, the, the vocation is primary. 
Yeah, no, I think that's so great. And I really appreciate that. And well, something that's just coming to my um, head is that when I thought about First Fruits or heard about First Fruits in the past, I did look at it and specifically with treasure and kind of the your tithe. I've later heard differences in tithe being, you know, different from your first fruits and that first fruits being, you know, something more of um, when you get a big bonus check or when you get, you know, additional. We're talking specifically of treasure here. Um, but what are your thoughts on that? Because I still feel like going back to the first fruits is our paycheck that's coming in on a regular basis and what we're giving to God generously in Thanksgiving for his generosity. But I wanted to hear what you guys, you know, have thought or heard about that. Absolutely. I, I think there's, my opinion is there's really not a lot of wiggle room because everything is gift, right? Yeah. And what you're receiving on a weekly or biweekly basis from your work is a gift from the Lord. Your job is a gift from the Lord. And and one parish priest, um, he really challenged me very early on. I think I was newly married and and I was having trouble giving from uh, just 10% of the net. Yeah. And we, we were below the poverty line for sure. And he was like, well, you need to give from the gross. And I'm like, what? You're kidding me. And but I took him up on the challenge. And it was amazing how the Lord eventually just started to help us and provide for us in great ways. I think that your time, like you were saying earlier, your first fruits of your day before everyone else gets up, you be intentional about giving God some of your time that day. You know, your fruits as far as your money, what's coming in, anything that's coming in, you give God the portion of it when it comes in, you know? And then your talents, if you, you know, whatever it is that you're gifted at, maybe you can, like, we've got tons of friends around here. They're so gifted at contracting or plumbing or electrical, and they help out all these people in our parish, you know, our, our community, uh, with those talents, you know, just use your talents to help the people around you. It's not like God's saying like, okay, did you help for the Catholic parish, you know, that you belong to by helping father so-and-so? No, he's about the body, whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you know, he's about love. So we just have to use our first fruits of love for the sake of others, whatever he's giving, we give back, you know, a portion of that. And that's what I love about God too, is God's not demanding. He only asks for a portion of it back. And why? Because he wants to cultivate in us this idea of trust. Yeah. Give back to him, and then he entrusts us with more. Then we trust it to him, and then he entrusts us with more. To those who have been faithful with little, he gives greater responsibilities. That's what's going on here. Ah, so great. Oh, man, I appreciate uh, all of these thoughts, and hopefully our listener uh, got a lot out of this. So we're here at the episode now where we like to put on the new man, right? We like to bring everything and make it practical and give you some practical advice about what you can do this week to help live as a saint, to, to help live and as a man striving for virtue. And so this week's challenge, uh, putting on the new man, is to actually identify three individuals in your life, in your past, that are friends of yours, that were that third frame of friendship, as Devin mentioned, those of virtuous friendships, and reach out to them. Actively, between the next seven days, reach out to them, cultivate that relationship, even if it is one of Thanksgiving, and just thanking them for their friendship. It's the new year. What perfect time to do it. You've been reflecting on these things, looking at your past. I mean, it, it can be so natural and, and uh, so comfortable when mm -hmm. we do that. And then the final thing with this putting on the new man is to look at one or two 
new acquaintances in your life that you can see as that potential friendship and do your part to cultivate it without expecting anything in return. And I think I wasn't planning on saying that when we were dialoguing about this throughout the show, but I do think that's important, right? Maybe they don't have the bandwidth to have another intentional deep friendship, in which case that's okay. God knows what's best for you in your life. So pray about that. Devin, Sam, any thoughts on putting on the new man? Sounds great. I would I would just add that um turn it over to the Lord, to the Lord. Um, make your desire known unto the Lord. It's it's essential that all of us have true friendship. It will forge us and make us a better man of God. So it's essential. God wants this for us. Jesus had his inner circle and he had his 12. He had friends. And so we are to be like him. So we need to pray to him and ask him to fulfill that desire and to lead us to the people that he wants us to be friends with and not to think of them as too less. Because he's going to, I guarantee you, you ask for it, he's going to bring people and you'll be like, oh, that person, <laughs> it's going to be the person you least suspect. And, and, and he's like, yes, I want you to befriend that person. And Amen. I guarantee you, you will be rewarded for it. But begin with prayer. Amen. I love it. All right. Well, thank you, listeners, for joining us on this episode. We hope to hear you or see you next week um, on our on our next episode. So as we end each of our episodes, be a man, be a saint. God bless. <laughs>